If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. All right, we thought it would be good to get a first-hand update on the farmer protests in Europe and anything else newsworthy from that part of the world, specifically France in this case. Freddie Ponton is an independent researcher and journalist based in France with a keen interest in European politics and geopolitics. Over the decades, Freddie has lived and worked on multiple continents, witnessing global events in numerous countries, bringing a unique global perspective to his work in informing and educating readers while constantly pursuing the truth wherever it leads. You can find him on Twitter X at LFC News Media. Freddie, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Great to have you. Yeah, it's fantastic, Paul. Well, it's it's great to be on, on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's, it's not often that a French guy get to to get on on a New Zealand uh, show, so I, I'm glad to be here. Uh, look, the, the the situation in France is what it is. I think it's been extremely well reported, and the, the major points have been uh, kind of outlined. What, what I normally like to do is to to bring a little bit more context, because of course I'm approaching that from my own lenses, which is more geopolitical economics. I and uh, I've been pretty much focusing on uh, uh, investigating uh, supranational bodies like NATO's and the European commissions and how these guys uh, have been uh, slowly but surely taking over uh, all the main policies that govern European member states. So if you will, uh, since COVID-19, the so-called pandemic, uh, we've been uh, really looking deep into these organizations and trying to understand the role they're playing and uh, how the, uh, I would say, technocracy and uh, various movements uh, emanating out of Davos and the World Economic Forums are shaping the world of tomorrow and how this is going to affect uh, many systems uh, uh, across the board. So my my first uh, analysis was to to really uh, observe uh, the destruction of, of our systems as we know them, whether it's the uh, uh, public health systems, whether it is the uh, uh, the banking systems, whether uh, it is our pensions uh, uh, systems, and on and on. I think you, you get the drift. But uh, uh, in this particular case, the food system is under attack, and it has been under attack for quite some time. So it's, you know, we we have a problem in Europe. Obviously, I I can speak for France and then others might have different opinions because we all affect it differently depending on where we sit on the European map. However, we we all have a a common uh, uh, kind of a a suffering point in common, and and that is that uh, uh, regulations and a lot of major decisions that are affecting our systems in general are taken by an organization that the European Commission and the European uh, Council that's strictly is not elected and it's not representing the will of the people. Uh, so this is a major problem at this moment in time. And then if you attack, obviously, uh, Europe's uh, largest agricultural producer like France, uh, then of course you're going to have uh, some uh, serious uh, problem in, in your hand. And that's exactly what we've saw over the last past few weeks, uh, the French farmers and the people of France rallying behind the the farmers. Can and I ask this question, Freddie? Can I ask this question? Um, sure. Why do they think they can do this? Like you've just mentioned, unelected. Um, when you're talking about France, 
I mean, the farming culture of France it didn't land just in the last few years. It's it's kind of ancient. So what you're what you're you're disrupting, what you're pushing against, is almost immovable. Yet they're trying it on. Why are they trying it on? Do you think? Well, they try it on because we you cannot have a, a system that seems to be appropriate for an economy uh, of the past. If you're trying to bring uh, the economy of the 21st century with uh, obviously the, 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 the globalizations of our economies. So it's a natural uh, uh, economic factors, if you will. You cannot have a globalized economy and a system that is still functioning with the old ways. And that is really well encapsulated in the build back better of Boris Johnson and other uh, people around the world. We had it here too. They said it here too, Build Back Better. Yeah, right on cue. So Build Back Better means obviously uh, pulling pulling the the rug on the people's feet and uh, attacking the systems that are no longer viable for this new economic model. And uh, so on one side, you have to attack the supply chain and uh, the economic uh, uh, basically roads, and that is the war of the corridors that we're seeing currently shaping up in West Asia. And then on the other side, in, in, in Central Europe uh, and Eastern Europe, we, we, we're currently uh, uh, disintegrating clearly the, the economies and, and their systems. And agriculture is really a, an important one. The food system is a trillion billion uh, dollars enterprise, and it can be an, a heist, if you will, if you do it properly. So we've been seeing as I say, for many years now, this uh, World Economic Forum, Great Resets, uh, are putting together with many consultancy firms and governments, so it's a public-private gangstership, I call it. And these guys are <laughs> clearly, Good basically... Working at it, they're working at it, and 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 there's going to be collaterals, and the collateral is basically the small farmers, the small enterprises as a whole, anyone that doesn't fit uh, into the mold, if you will, and the mold is about uh, bigger company, bigger corporations, and this is what it's all about. It's about basically recentralizing, federalizing the center of powers in the hand of very few. Wow. And for that, yeah. you need to basically destroy the small farmers and the small producers. And the exactly- public, though, I can can imagine what what that would how that would go down here. The public, I think, would automatically side with the farmers. Is that what's happening in in these countries? You're talking about France specifically. Are the public behind the farmers, and how are the media treating it? Because that's very important. Yes, absolutely. Well, the, the the public in France, I'll speak for France, but I saw that in Germany too. But in France, definitely 100%, the public is behind its farmers because it's it's more than just food. It's it's cultural. And uh, you talk you, you talk about food in France. You know, this is extremely a, a central topics, and we 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 protect our farmers because they are very much an extension of, of our cultures, our values, and everything. So it goes much deeper than just attacking a, an industry. You're attacking a cultural symbol, and uh, it's it's very painful, and uh, it's not going to go away without a fight. That's for sure. Now, as far as the media are concerned, to answer your second question, Paul, is the the media's uh, are basically very controlled in France. So we have a, an oligarchy that seems to, uh, you know, about three, four people that controls the entire media spectrum as a mass media. Uh, so the, you're going to have the, uh, the usual coverage, you know, with a little bit of truth and, and, and a lot of kind of uh, vernish, you know, to make the government look not too bad. Uh, but uh, 
apart from that, really, it's really about addressing the key point of this protest. And I think that uh, some of these measures have been very shy on putting the light where it should have been, which is on the, the unions and the farmer unions, which seems to uh, be acting more as major agribusiness or agribusiness, if you will. These are not farmers any longer. These are traders and yeah. these are middlemen that makes their fortunes with speculations rather than actually the poor small farming guys trying to survive and pay his bills, you know. How far do you think it will go? How far will the farmers go? I mean, it's very impressive seeing the footage of thousands of tractors with their lights flashing, manure being sprayed at public buildings. Um, whoever thought of that, it's a genius because it really does, you know, it really does make the point. How, how, what sort of confrontation, or, or maybe there won't be a confrontation, is it heading for an inevitable confrontation or? Or will that be avoided somehow? Well, at the moment, it's kind of, a, you know, it's kind of slowed down. It's subsidized a little bit, but uh, it's really going to, it's only a matter of time. You know, I think it's, it seems more like a half time than, than anything else, right? So right now, the, the major unions have called for for the farmers to pull out, yeah, if you will, because uh, they've been thrown by the government uh, a, a little crumbles, you know, with $100 million uh, basically to take care of uh, uh, all the bills and to keep them basically in line. But, you know, this is not addressing the, the problem at its core. But this protest that we saw uh, uh, 10 days ago, especially uh, on the weekend, was really big. I mean, we're talking about major, major convoy coming out of, uh, uh, you know, western, uh, west north part of France, you know, heading towards Rangis. Rangis is the second largest world wholesale market. So it's massive, as you as you all know. And uh, this was the target. Now, what's really uh, concerning, it could have been much bigger and much more penalizing for ranges and this international market. But we saw, and we got a report from the territorial intelligence uh, explaining how the FNSEA, the, actually the largest farmers union in France, basically calling the law enforcement against other farmers from other unions to forbid them actually to attend uh, this particular protest at the gate of Rangis. Uh, so this is really a battle of the unions. And it's a political battles. And as I said, these unions are uh, starting now and they've been basically uh, a, a exposed with this particular protest. So that's where the victory is. Like Including with with the political establishment, basically. That's what it did, yeah. Oh, that's what it did, and it, it needed to be exposed. And I think that uh, that was the victory for the French farmers, is to have the media, independent media and international press starting to talk about this uh, inconsistency and this kind of a cahoot in between major unions and governments. So it, it's a good thing. It's a start, but it's only the beginning, uh, Paul. Yeah, and have there been any wins for the farmers? You mentioned uh, a figure there, but I think in, in some of the other countries, the um, targets for emissions have been eased up, or they're, they're saying that they have been. I guess in reality, it's another thing. Um, are they are you starting to see those sorts of concessions? Because the the politicians have to deal with the, the politics of it somehow, right? <laughs> 
Well, they, they do, but the problem is, you see, it, we, we're talking about a much bigger problem at hand. Again, you know, the, the price only is going to uh, tackle the issues on, on the surface. But uh, if you really want to do a proper job at it, you're going to have to address really the, the problem of sovereignties of the European member states. And uh, we, we were brought into this uh, uh, this European Union back in 2005. You know, we were forced in. You know, the referendum was very clear about France not accepting being part of the European Union. So that's an important facts for people to understand we were not in support of the European Union and its uh, uh, conventions and so on. We, we were not interested in that, but we were forced into it by Sarkozy. Uh, and when we moved into the European Unions, we started you know, year after year uh, starting to lose control of the ship. Uh, and what the European Union has done is basically uh, uh, destroyed any aspect of sovereignty. The idea of nation has been destroyed. How can we claim as a country we are sovereign if we've lost the control of our border and our own currency. It's, it's ludicrous. You're not, you're not a country anymore. Basically. No, not at all. We are a confederation, if you will, where we, we find it extremely difficult to get on with each other, not because we don't like each other. It's because we have different languages. We have different cultures. Historical uh, history has shaped Europe as well. Many battles, many uh, you know, still uh, unaddressed issues that needs to be resolved. But uh, at the end of the day, when you start to let an unelected body decide your foreign policies, your policies, and taking away uh, everything that makes your country uh, a sovereign, then you shouldn't be surprised of the result. And the result is right now uh, probably well encapsulated in, uh, in, uh, in going back to the, to the food topic in the Mercosur agreement, which is still under negotiation at the moment. Now, the Mercosur is in kind of a, 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 a South American block of wholesale food and agriculture uh, product that is trying to sell their product into Europe. And EU is vacant keen on entertaining this particular block uh, in order to let their product uh, basically swamp into the European market. And the point that I'm making here is that it's a very important point. When Brazil was asked about, you know, uh, were they aware that what they were doing or this particular negotiations was affecting the, the European uh, farmers, the answer was that, but, you know, we don't deal with France directly. We don't deal with Holland directly. Yeah, yeah. We deal with the European Union. These Can are the officials. Exactly. So we don't exist in this debate. The debate yeah. is happening at the EC in Brussels, and whatever comes out of that, we're, we're going to be under under the hammer. You know. Couple of minutes left. Just a quick um, question, because it occurred to me that I think the whole point of the EU is to have a block of relationships that avoids the tragedy of history that has occurred so many times: wars and um, a world war in, in one case. Yet here is the EU pledging 55 billion euros over four years to Ukraine to maintain a war. So <laughs> um, uh, how are people feeling about that, just quickly? Well, I think in, uh, in, in, in a nutshell, I think it's uh, this is a, a ship that I, that, I, that I sailed a long time ago. I think no one is any longer uh, in, in numbers believing in in and really the, the outcome of this Ukrainian war will be uh, something positive. I think people have understood this war has been lost already. And what we are seeing is the patching up and uh, an exit trying to look good, you know, whether it's from NATO, the United States, or the EU bloc. Everybody's trying to deal with the outcome of this war, which is gloomy, and nobody can explain the amount of death that was created for absolutely zero reason whatsoever. And the poor taxpayer. 
you and your fellow Europeans uh, have have to pay the bill. That's the thing, and it's a big bill. So. Yeah, we're well trained. We've been doing this for a very long time, you know. So yeah. I think it's people don't even ask anymore. It's just the way it's been done, and. Uh, unless people are going to stand up and starting to say, look, we're not interested in, in, any longer in, in this kind of activities and supporting war and doing what they do it after the Vietnam War and really making sure that this is going to be an ongoing pressure on our government to stop arming countries, to stop weaponizing countries, and more importantly, to stop, you know, uh, sending aid to countries like Ukraine. I mean, you know, I have nothing to get Ukrainians, but this is extremely corrupt countries. And this is a country that is neither part of Europe, neither part of NATO. What's yeah. our business there? What are we doing there? Freddie Ponton, thank you for giving us a bit of time all the way from uh, France. Uh, it's great to have a, a first-hand update on on the situation with the farmers. And I hope we can talk again and uh, maybe um, tap you out for information um, um, heading forward uh, from that part of the world. So maybe we can talk more about that uh, offline, but uh, that would be good if we could do that. Yeah, of course. be my pleasure, Paul. Thank you very much. And all the best, mate. We'll, we'll speak soon. Thank you for tuning in to RCR Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, just like what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you. So connect with us today.